Good morning again, and welcome. Happy Father's Day. I, uh, I don't have a message, message specific for Father's Day, but we're uh, going to be beginning in the book of Joseph this morning, and Joseph is certainly a, a man that any father can look to. Uh, at the end, he's uh, called, uh, just like Moses, a servant of the Lord. And um, if uh, someone calls me that, I'd be happy, you know, a servant of the Lord. Uh, so, um, again, uh, preaching through the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Uh, as you may know, this book is filled with uh, action. It's filled with drama, suspense, even controversy. Uh, but the book isn't just about uh, historical events uh, or conquest. Or, and it's, it's not even just about Israel or Joshua himself. The book is primarily about God. It's about God's Word. It's about how God fulfills His promises and how God is faithful to His people. It's about God's sovereignty, and especially how God wants all people, not just Israel, but all people, uh, to enjoy the benefits of a redeemed relationship with Him and to enjoy that rest that comes along with that. So let's pray, and then I'll I'll read uh, Joshua chapter 1. Father, we thank You for Your Word, and we thank You for, again, Your presence here with us. Um, Please speak to us, Lord, and may we have uh, ears to hear, Lord. Help us to grow in our faith and our knowledge of you this morning, and help us to grow in our love for one another. Lord, we thank you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Joshua, chapter 1. 18 verses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, the Jordan River, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, He said, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession 
of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over, armed before your brothers, and shall help them, until the Lord gives you rest to your brothers as he has given rest to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And then the, the people answered Joshua, the officers answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your word, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Praise God for his word. So a little background. If you recall, back in Genesis, God called a guy named Abraham out of his hometown of Ur in chapter 12. It goes like this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you, I will make of you, Abraham, a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So later, God will formalize a covenant with Abram and change his name to Abraham. And then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. So that's Egypt. So they're in Egypt for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. That's the Exodus. And on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, which is Joshua and the people that we'll be reading about, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And then it goes on to list a number of peoples. So Abraham has a son named Isaac, whose son Jacob and grandson Joseph end up in Egypt, just as God had told Abraham. And then the 400 years pass. 400 years pass and Abraham's descendants have grown to about 2.4 million people in Egypt and Pharaoh gets nervous that the revolt, revolt and he oppresses the people. So God hears the cry of the people and he delivers them uh, through Moses. The Israelites leave Egypt. God destroys Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. And again, this is all called the Exodus. And then after the Exodus, people are sentenced to wander in the wilderness for roughly 40 years of disobedience. Moses is also forbidden to enter the Promised Land for his disobedience. 
and only the next generation, which includes Joshua and Caleb, will be allowed into the Promised Land. And this is this next generation that Joshua leads into the Promised Land. So there was the entire uh, Pentateuch in about five paragraphs. So back to the text. You know, verse 1 introduces us to Joshua as Moses' replacement. Now, whereas before we knew Joshua as Moses' assistant, he is now appointed by the Lord as Moses' replacement. So before he was the assistant, now he's Moses' replacement. Now, Joshua isn't a new character in the Bible here. He's, uh, he's been, already been mentioned at least 30 times in the Bible. Uh, I mean, in the first books of the Bible. Uh, some of Joshua's highlights uh, as the assistant to Moses are when he commanded Israel's army against the Amalekites uh, shortly after the Exodus. And that's the scene where Moses stood on his, the hill with his hands raised and the army was victorious. When they lowered his hands, they were getting defeated. He raised his hands, the army was victorious. So this was um, a, a valuable lesson for Joseph, I mean Joshua and that the battle belongs to the Lord. Joshua also accompanied Moses partway up Mount Sinai uh, during the giving of the law. He assisted Moses at the tent of meeting where God would speak to Moses face to face. And uh, Joshua was one of the twelve spies sent by Moses to explore the land of Canaan, uh, the promised land. And of the twelve, only he and Caleb uh, trusted that God would deliver them into the land. So consequently, uh, only he and Caleb of that whole generation were allowed into the promised land. And then finally, God himself appointed Joshua as Moses' successor, where uh, Moses commissioned Joshua and described him as a man in whom is the Spirit. And he did that before all the congregation. So now the time's come. Moses has died uh, the people have mourned for 30 days, and now Moses, uh, God speaks to Joshua as Moses' successor. And the chapter that I just read basically is divided into three sections. Three sections where God speaks, and then Joshua speaks, and then Joshua's officers uh, speak on behalf of the people. So in verse 2, it's not insignificant that God is the first to speak here in the book because it sets the tone and it sets the theme uh, for the whole book. Uh, where it says, um, God is speaking, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise. And, and so as I said, God is actually the main character in the book of Joshua with God's voice and, present, uh, and presence is throughout the book. And then in verses 3 through 5, the first part of God's address, God makes three promises to Joshua. So God promises the land, uh, which is the inheritance in verses 3 through 4, and he, he, re he reiterated what he had promised to Abraham and Moses and all the patriarchs in between. He's reiterating what he had described, uh, what he had promised to those guys. And then in verse 5, God promises to conquer all the enemies, where he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And then also in verse 5, God promises His presence. He says, again, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. 
And as we'll be reminded of throughout this book, those promises apply to us as well. You know, God has given the Israelites this gift of the land and the promise of rest in the land. Rest is another uh, theme in this book. And their job now is to go and seize this gift, uh, trusting the Lord in the process. And as Christians, God has given us the gift of salvation and also the promise of rest. Uh, rest in the Bible doesn't mean inactivity. It doesn't mean you know, taking a nap. Uh, rest means security and prosperity and blessing in the Bible. And we also need to seize this rest uh, through trusting God, through reading His Word, through, through obeying God, through fellowship in the church, through, through praying. Jesus said to His disciples in John 16, He said, I have said these things to you that in Me you may have peace, that in Me you may have rest. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen? Jesus has overcome the world. So this, this and the promise of conquering uh, enemies applies to us also. In Jesus Christ, God has conquered not only sin and Satan, but Christ has conquered death. He's conquered death itself. And therefore, all those who are in Christ, all those who have uh, trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior have nothing to fear. Paul says in Romans, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Uh, does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, Paul says. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And then he goes on, he says, I am convinced Paul can't say it any stronger. He says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, Paul says, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ our Lord. So the promise of conquering enemies applies to us also. And then there's the promise of God's presence. Jesus said to the disciples at the end of Matthew when He gave them com the commission to go spread the Gospel, He said, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. They didn't have to go it alone. Jesus is with them. And of course, at Pentecost, Jesus sent His Holy Spirit, as we talked about last week. So God's presence is indeed assured for the believer. And with the help and the presence of the Holy Spirit, you know, the early church set out to conquer. They set out to conquer not land, but people who had hardened hearts and rebellious hearts, but not with the sword. They didn't try to conquer with the sword. They conquered with the gospel of the salvation through Jesus Christ. They conquered with the good news. And then after the three promises, God tells Joshua three times to be strong and courageous in verses 6, 7, and 9. Now this, in Joshua, this term is mostly associated with military action, military involvement. 
And Joshua is not only the leader of the Israelites, he's also the military commander. And he and his officers are, are warriors. Uh, but as we'll see as we progress through the book, the ultimate warrior is God. So while the first uh, be strong and courageous in verse 6 is a reminder that the people will inherit the land that God swore to their fathers, uh, the second be strong and very courageous uh, in verse 7 is associated with God's word. It says, only be, very, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded to you. So God's word here is represented by the law given to the people as communicated to Moses by God. I mentioned the covenant that God made with Abraham, that his descendants will become numerous and inherit the land. Well, the covenant, that covenant was renewed and enhanced by God through Moses. Now, the, the Mosaic Covenant was a conditional covenant that either brought God's direct blessing or, for obedience or God's direct curse for disobedience upon the nation of Israel. And part of the Mosaic Covenant, as we know, is the Ten Commandments. And then the rest of the law, we call the Book of the Law, which contained over 600 commands. You know, roughly there were 300 positive commands and 300 negative commands. And the history books of the Old Testament from Joshua all the way to Esther describe how Israel succeeded at obeying the law or how Israel failed and often failed miserably at obeying the law. Uh, Deuteronomy 11.26 uh, talks about this uh, blessing, cursing uh, motif. It says, see, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. This is God speaking. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord of your God, which I commanded you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after other gods. So there will be a, a blessing and a curse. Obedience, disobedience, and often that disobedience was in the form of going after other gods. So here we have Joshua and the Israelites some 40 years after the exodus from Egypt. They're poised to take possession of the land, of the promised land that God had promised to Abraham some 400 years uh, previously. And just as it was with Adam and Eve, uh, just as it was at the time of Noah, just as it was with Abraham and all the other uh, patriarchs, and just as it is with us, trusting in the Lord and obeying what He has deemed right and good for us leads to blessing. And what God has deemed right and good for us is found in God's Word, the Bible. So for Joshua and the people, this land was a gift from God. The land was theirs to possess. But their success in possessing the land is dependent on those covenant stipulations of blessing and curse. Where it says, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then will 
you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The third, be strong and courageous, is reinforced by yet another reassurance from God in verse 9. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Now let those words from God himself sink in for a minute. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. And he doesn't say, and I'll check back with you in a few weeks and see how you're doing. He doesn't say that. He says, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Those are God's words, and God's words are in Scripture, in the Bible. And God's words speak to us just as they did to Joshua back then. So this last part of God's address is formed around the promise of of success. Wherever you go, God said. And it's contingent upon Joshua's obedience to God's word. But it's not without the promise of God's presence. So in that sense, Joshua won't be alone as he strives to be obedient to God's law. The, The obedience and success are tied together as both are found and enjoyed in the, in the presence of God who gave both the law and he gave the promises. In other words, Joshua, he, he won't succeed because he's obedient to God's instruction. He'll succeed because God is with him to enable him to be with him. I mean, to obey God's destruction. And it's the same with us. We can't be obedient to Christ without the presence of the Holy Spirit enabling us to be obedient to Christ. The next section of chapter 1 includes, first of all, Joshua's words to his officers in response to God's instruction. It says, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, He says, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. Say that ten times fast. Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over the Jordan to go and to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So in order to possess the land, they need to first prepare and then pass over the the Jordan River, which will be covered in chapter 3. So unlike the exodus from Egypt, which was done quickly and in haste, the people have three days to prepare here. And unlike the exodus uh, in Egypt where the people were fleeing an enemy, the people here are now preparing to go into battle, to face the enemy. So Joshua's words are significant because he's repeating what God had said to him. And he adds the purpose of the crossing. The crossing of the Jordan River is to take possession of the land. This is God's fulfillment of the promises given to the ancestors of Israel. So verses 12 through 15 take a little bit of explaining. So I'll read them and then briefly explain. And to the Reubenites and Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, he said, remember... He said, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest 
and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that God gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men, all the men of valor, the warriors among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and you shall help them. Unless the Lord, until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to your land, the land of your possession, and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise, which, which means to the east. So now he's speaking to the next largest group, uh, the, the, the two and a half tribes. So the background is Moses had given these tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh land east of the Jordan River. Now the, Joshua and the people are preparing to cross west over the Jordan River. But these guys had already possessed some land east of the Jordan River. River. So in a sense, these people had already seized their land. They had already seized their rest. But they had promised Moses that they would assist the rest of Israel when the time came. And now the time has come. And Joshua is calling them to remember this promise that they made and act on it. So in doing so, Joshua's larger goal is unity of all the people. Now, Joshua was, was in a pretty precarious situation here and, and needed to delicately remind the, these tribes east of the Jordan to make good on their promise, you know, lest the rest of the people, you know, they, they get discouraged and they start to rebel. And to their credit and to Joshua's credit, the eastern tribes are ready and willing to cross the Jordan and join the fight, uh, as uh, verses 16 through 18 show. And they... Those tribes answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do. Uh, wherever you send us, uh, we will go. So the two and a half tribes show great faith in God as they stick to their promise. They had already possessed their land, and the fighting men would be leaving their families behind, trusting that God will see to their safe return as they assist the rest of Israel. So they... they uh, right from the start, they set a good example for the rest of the people. And, and so their response to Joshua uh, is an example uh, to those people, <laughs> as it should be to us, as they show obedience to God through keeping their promise. Uh, they show allegiance to their leader in Joshua, God's new representative. And they show that they are committed to the unity of all Israel. So again, as we move further along in the book, unity uh, will return again and again, that theme. So, and it'll be the unity of Israel and their obedience to God's commands, instructions, and guidance that will determine whether they receive this promised land, this promised rest that will come with the land. And that rest, that rest is, is what will draw all people to Israel uh, to be partakers of the blessing promised to uh, Abraham when God said, in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, again, the word rest will pop up again and again in Joshua 
And the word has uh, spiritual, has theological meanings uh, or significance for us, for the believer in Christ. You know, when a person trusts Christ as a savior, God gives that person rest. And the rest involves the rest of salvation and deliverance. Uh, it's um, a peace of heart and peace of mind. It's the rest of assurance and confidence. It's the rest of purpose and meaning and significance in this life. And it's the rest that we can have in Christ of fulfillment and satisfaction. And when the genuine believer experiences a deep-seated rest, it's a rest of peace, assurance, and confidence you know, deep within the heart. Uh, he or she knows where he's, she's coming from. Uh, the person knows why you're here and, and where she is going. And God floods our souls with, with the rest of His presence. And when the, the genuine believer yields his life totally to Christ and claims this wonderful promise of God, God floods him with this uh, spiritual rest. And I'm looking forward to going back to that theme uh, a number of times uh, through Joshua. So in, in closing, uh, God called, I mean, Joshua's call to arise and cross the River Jordan was a call to action. God gave the people a land to possess in which they could find rest, but only through obedience and dependent on God uh, and God's people had to do the actual possessing. God was giving them the land, but God, the people had to arise. They had to act on that gift. They had to step out. They had to cross over in faith before they could attain that rest. God said to Joshua and to us, he, says, he said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God for his word.